Hello and welcome once again to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm Jason Van of your host, coming to you out of Estes Park, Colorado. I think everybody's newsfeed has just been filled with news of Russia's aggressions towards Ukraine. And it's not just aggressions, it's straight out war. Russia is perpetrating war on the people of the Ukraine. And when Vladimir Putin puts his nuclear forces on heightened alert, it grabs the attention of every person connected to the internet in the world because it could affect us all. So many of you may not know this, but Estes Park is actually a very internationally diverse community. And the reason for this is we have a lot of J-1 visa workers who come in during the summer when they're younger um, to work in Rocky Mountain National Park and around Rocky Mountain National Park. And a good segment of that population decides that they really like life here in Estes Park in the mountains of Colorado. And they stick around. They become citizens. They become members of our community. They become our friends. And so we have quite a few people from the Ukraine who live here in our community. So I thought it'd be a very insightful podcast to give them a chance, some of those, those people in our community that are from the Ukraine and have family that are living through what's going on in the Ukraine right now. And I got to tell you, folks, we, had, we were getting text messages. These women were getting text messages from their family members who are hiding out in the basements of their homes. And these, these basements are described to me as holes in, in the dirt that they're, they're like what we would think of as a root cellar here. It's not like a finished basement with a TV, movie room, you know, game room, bar, whatever. These are unfinished earthen crawl spaces that families are huddled into because there are missiles dropping and exploding outside their homes, literally outside. While we were on the interview, a missile struck the front yard of one of these women's family homes and shattered all the windows. Thankfully, everyone was okay, okay enough to to get a message out. But right now, there are people in this world that, that are weathering a military storm that's invading their homeland, and they're fighting like devils because they've got nothing else. It's their home, it's their life, it's their family. So I thought it would be good to give Three people that came forward that wanted to speak, three women that live here in Estes Park, but are all from the Ukraine and, and have family back in the Ukraine, an opportunity to tell their stories in their own words as to what is happening in their opinion, in their view, in their experience, what is happening to their family back in the Ukraine and happening to their home. And before we start with that interview, I wanted to give a quick shout out thank you to Vert Coworking, located here in Estes Park. Um, They're for people who work hard and play harder. They're located in the heart of the Estes Park Valley and offer numerous office spaces, a coffee shop, high speed internet, and access to a dozen of outdoor adventures. So it's basically, you know, a collaborative workspace. It offers open desks, private offices, conference rooms, and they happen to have a podcasting booth. Um, that I could meet with these women as 
normally I do my my podcasts via Zoom and over the internet, which um, does a lot better. So the audio quality is a little less just because I didn't have my usual control settings. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to say a quick thank you. You can find more information on vertcoworking.com. V-E-R-T-C-O-W-O-R-K-I-N-G dot com. Okay, so let's first start off with, we're here in Estes Park, Colorado. What brought you two to Estes Park? Tell us how you wound up becoming a member of this community. Day one visa for both of us. Okay, and where are you from originally? I'm from Kharkiv, Ukraine, and I'm from Kiev, capital. Okay, and tell us what, from, from your perspective, that, that Americans may not know, what's been going on, what's been happening, other than what like they see on the news. Tell us your story and how this unfolded to you and your families. Well, on the 24th of February, like everybody know, that everybody's broadcasting left and right that Russia started attacking Ukraine, throwing bombs and stuff. They start from the um, military bases and then they went to the capital and they were trying to take over all the administrative buildings. Now they're bombing civilians. They're bombing the apartment complexes, the buildings, the apartments. And it's, yeah. And you, you both have family back there. Tell right. us about your, your connections back in Ukraine. So my whole family down there, my, I have a huge family, like 20 you know, members probably like my parents, my sister, my cousins, their families as well. Some of my um, cousins' husbands, they're um, in military, air forces, and um, you know, all kinds of military. Well, so, everyone's being asked to, to fight at this point. Yeah, but they're like the military, military, not the they're civilians. They're the first, that, the you first know. row of people right, who is the there. Yeah. And like my parents woke up in the morning on the tw 24th because there was like everywhere in the news, Odessa, Kharkiv, like the largest city were bombed. So, and I called them and I'm like, so what's happening? Because they haven't like no idea. So the Ukrainian news, they probably showed that like a couple hours after because like everybody was shocked and um you know that's that's what's happening okay it's not military operation you might see that today i was in a coffee shop um you know in cold brew to to, to buy a coffee and there were newspapers denver paused hi to you guys uh, and something else, I don't remember, but it was like Ukrainian crisis. <laughs> Can you imagine that? No, it's full-blown war. Ukrainian crisis. So, what, what have the effects been on your family so far? What's, what's been happening? Are they, are they evacuated? What, where does that stand? It depends. Some of the, a lot of people are in the dirt holes. It's not a basement. It's the... It's the underground cell where they store the food and they sit over there cold. There's no bathrooms, there's no medications, there's no light, there's no nothing. Some people are still sitting in their apartments. They're just finding the safe spot in the apartments, you know. They have the emergency suitcases ready and they're just... There's nowhere to get out, out of towns. There's nowhere to run because they're just bombing left and right everywhere. You cannot just get out on the street. 
and your family Pretty as well? Pretty much the same. Well, they don't live in an apartment, like, you know, 20 or 30 floors. That's a private house. Like, house. So they have, like, a place, kind of like a bomb shelter, but that's, like, the place where they originally keep, like, potato. So it's, like, So, cool. like, a root cellar. Yeah, kind of like that. So, so far, the, like, the place my parents live and the like community around is safe if it's you know possible to say be safe say this way zone. yeah but um yeah that's that's what's happening okay um and what do you what do you want the world to know what what what's your message our message that ukraine does not need help of russian people russian people just need to leave and leave us alone this is our message because they there is a propaganda all over in Russian news and people who live here in America. That's incredible, by in the way. Yeah. Colorado, that they think that Russians are over there to save us and we need to be safe from God knows what. We don't need that. We need them to leave, and we just need everybody to share the truth that this is full blown war and this is whatever is going on over there. People's lives are getting hurt. Children are getting hurt. Civilians. People are giving birth in the basement. And it's not... The basement, when you talk about it, it's not a basement like in America with TV couches and stuff. It's a dirt hole. That's the only word I have for that. And what what do you think as, a, as Ukrainians? Why is, is Putin doing this? Why is he... Uh, having a sack and I, I would say that as an American myself watching the news you know it seems pretty clear that this is just a, a naked act of aggression um, and it seems the whole world right now is is kind of turning against them and maybe that's too late um, it, I think it probably should have happened sooner but um, it it's, is what it is it's why do you think Putin's doing this it's not too late it's just not enough that's the message because Ukraine is fighting not like for Ukrainian people and for Ukrainian military forces. Ukraine is fighting for the whole Europe. Because, right. you know, that we have like same border with Romania, Poland, right? And all the other countries. They might be the next. And that's like, everybody should clearly understand that. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's actually it's gonna be too late. Like right. too late. Because, like, for the first time in the 21st century, Switzerland, who's, you know, non-black country, yeah. so it's not in NATO, it's not in, if I'm not mistaken, you might correct me, it's not, not yet, in no. uh, United, I mean, European Union, they, like, you know, they impose the sanctions, like, usually they just stay, you know, away from that stuff. Yeah. But, like, countries that are not in any of the blocks, they do understand what's happening and then trying to, you know, take part to help Ukraine. And like my message like to all of the newspapers, TV channels and podcasts in America, you should not call it Ukrainian crisis. It doesn't exist because Ukrainian crisis, that is something that is, you know, just inside of Ukraine. And that's like fully scale war that's invasion of Russia so it shouldn't be ever ever like you know written somewhere that it's Ukrainian crisis I was just honestly shocked today when I like open newspaper and it says Ukrainian crisis and I'm like okay what's happening 
it's just incredible. And um, the other thing, you know, I'm answering to your question, why do I think that Putin is doing that? Well, you can go through the history and look, Georgia, 1994, again, if I'm not, you know, if I'm correct, uh, then there was the first and the second, uh, how do you say, Chichenska? Chichna. Chichna war, you know, and stuff. And Abkhazia, now, all those people. Moldova, right? And, you know, he's probably, he, it's not enough for him. He wants to go further and further. And I've seen today the video from um, Chichen, I don't know, um, management or administration in exile because they they cannot um, create their government like officially on the territory of right. Chechnya because of it's occupied under Russia for many many years and the uh, representative of the government he said that there are millions and thousands of Chechen people that want to join Ukraine because they didn't forget the first and the second Chechen war and they, you know, they're striving for freedom, for independency, and for their right to decide the destiny of their country. So. And, and it seems by all accounts that the, the Ukrainian people are fighting like demons. Like they really are just... Well, we have no have choice. Surprised. We've been left alone. Ukrainian people at this point have nothing to lose and they will fight with whatever it takes. They're like roaring lions over there, you know, and when they were coming and saying, you know, 10 Russian soldiers per one Ukrainian, well, they're going down like that. Another message that I want to yell out there, a lot of those soldiers, we have recorded interview from our police departments and stuff. They don't know where they're going. They don't know. They're terrified. Once they get there, they send the messages to their parents. They asking to call. They're called. There is dead bodies of people right next to my university, right next to my friend worked they were trying to you know protect and there was dead bodies of the russian soldiers they don't even have they don't even bury them they don't even they just pick up there is this vehicle who cremates them they just pick drive around pick them up and throw in them in the car and then just burn them without letting their people know what's going on and stuff when their mothers brothers sisters thinking that they're over there somewhere on the training in belarus and everywhere and that just needs to be heard. And Russian news translates left and right that there is they have no losses whatsoever. How's that possible even? That I they mean. have because they're on training in their world. So all that lie that they're translating left and right, we need to get it out of there and we need to just make it yeah. So the, the military the Russian military has cremation vehicles that goes around mm -hmm. and right. just Picks up, picks the, up the dead bodies and throws them, if they even pick them up. I mean, by the time they even pick them up, there is people who want to run away. Once they bomb, bomb the their vehicles, their tanks and stuff, they just get up and run. They don't get out of the tank and pick up a gun and go continue shooting. They run. They realize what is happening in right. Ukraine, and they are not. They are sent, they've been sent to the full-blowing war. And there have been thousands of arrests within Russia itself of just citizens protesting. So it seems like it's a different dynamic this time than, say, World War II, and where, where you know, the, that spread of information is having an effect. Where it is know, tremendous. It is, and people, uh, people here even, 
you know, I... It, it, it is crazy that misinformation that goes out there we just need to let the world know this is not just it this is so where can people go to get real information coming from the ukrainian people here you have access to all sorts of information you know you can open youtube right mm -hmm. everybody has access to that you can go read uh kiev post there is another you know like Denver Post and Washington Post, that's like Instagram, Post. UA, and yeah. But what do they look for? I mean, yes, we have the access to these things, but as Americans, we don't necessarily know where to go to get the information. That's why misinformation can be so rampant. I'm sure. What are, what do you the, have any like Ukrainian, you know, people who you know or do? Or I think if some, um, a couple that I reached out to, yes. I that, think so. the that's what I've been trying to spread the message too if you if you want the true information call ukrainian person that you have and ask them about their families and what truly is going on even yeah just call your friend i'm sure there is tons that there's a huge diaspora diaspora whatever how you say that word here of the ukrainians all over the world in canada in america everywhere and people are screaming and begging for help and asking left and right so we just need to get that true information out we need to i told my friend yesterday who is from russia i told her i was like pray for your russian troops because they are going down but they don't hear that message. Their TV is not showing. They still think that America has something to do with that because America helps with the guns. They still have something to say about Europe. They think that, yeah, the, we just we just need to break this misinformation bridge that is constantly going where innocent people are. What, what do you think the best case scenario is? How, how do we get out of this problem we're in? What's the best way for the world to do that? nobody got in you know to get out that's the point right because missiles and weapons it's all good i mean we're thankful for that to european union countries and everybody who supports us but that's not enough i do understand from their point of view that they don't want to send their people to fight for us you know but they're not fighting for us that's not the message they fighting for their countries as well because, as I said, there is Poland, Romania, Lithuania, uh, and, you know, all sorts of countries. And there are troops massing, like in Poland and stuff, where they're starting right. to stay. Yeah, but they're not thin. Yeah, Another not thing that we hope it's not going to go that way, but we already all heard. Number one, Putin is, is nowhere be, to be found because he didn't realize he's talking left and right that he thought it's going to be just like Crimea. Right. Uh, Putin is nowhere to be found and we cannot forget about uh, which button he sits next to, uh, to with a nuclear weapon that right. is not gonna be just ukraine and europe that's gonna no, fact the everybody. entire world all the way around and people i don't know do they not think that i i don't know how to break through i think it was very shocking yesterday when he put his his nuclear troops on high uh -huh. yep um, and then i think that kind of shocked the world too because that does make it, you know, an, an issue for every person on the planet. Um, how likely do you think it will be that he would go to a nuclear option like that? I mean, we all pray that it's not going to happen, but who knows? Yeah, he's got it on the who table. Who knows? Who knows? And there is like this whole There's procedure. no guarantees for anything, just like 
it, when Ukraine destroyed, that's another really huge point that I want to point out. Her husband keeps talking about it all the time. Just like when Ukraine destroyed all the nuclear weapons, according to the Budapest Memorandum, and was promised Russia was one of those countries, you know, the sovereignty of our borders, that no, where is where are those people like you know America, England, those countries who signed this? This is real. We destroyed our nuclear weapon, and he's sitting right next to it right now, and threatening the world. And this is just yeah. It was the third largest weapon, you know, nuclear weapon in the world, the and Ukrainian we just yeah, we just give give it up for nothing nothing to protect our borders and when was that our insurance the the 1992 if i'm correct 1996 i want to say it budapest memorandum i i think the procedure started on 1992 all the way through like 1996 or whatever i think uh, i think a lot of americans don't, don't know about that necessarily off the top of their head the third largest nuclear weapon country in the world the third was Ukraine? Yes. Before this, and you yes. gave up all of it. We we have nothing. We we do have just to make it clear. We do have knowledges, and we do have people that still remember and still you know knows the all the you know protocols and like In the how to right. make it. Yes, right. just just to make it clear. But now mm. Ukraine is not planning to do so. At least I guess in a you know couple few years there there was no plan about it but we just give up everything for nothing and the you know the people who were able who supposed to sorry who supposed to guarantee the you know independency and sovereignty and you know security of our territories was United States Russia and um, the United Kingdom that now I mean, as I said, we're all thankful that they provide us with weapons, missiles, and all sorts of military resources, but it's not enough. And when it's, you know, it's, it might be just too late for them to understand that. Do you think the economic sanctions will have any effect? They will, but not now. It takes some time. Right. It, yeah, it how just, long is it going to take? How many more people are going to have to lose before those to understand? Yes, there's no flights anymore. Yes, their currency, according to the American dollar now, is double, triple, whatever, double is of right today. Yes, all that. But then you still hear from people yelling and saying that Ukraine is doing all this to us for nothing. Well, no, this is their own government. This is the president that they voted for and they worship. This is what he's doing it to them. And they don't realize that. So, as you can see, they're not only bombing military base and... Um, air forces and military people they started to bomb the um, apartments the houses the civilians um, so I've just seen this video today that the family that was under you know um, they, they were hiding in a bomb shelter or not in a bomb shelter in a house I guess or and they felt like the, their house just exploded because of the bombing. And there was this little girl that passed away because the, um, the doctors, they were trying to 
uh, to do the CPR, right? Yes. Yeah. CPR, and they failed. They couldn't save her. And it's all over the country. So it's not just some particular cities or capital or many people think that like the capital is the safest place right now because of the president, of the government. Well, that's the number one target, isn't it? Right, it is. And like, that's why many people think that that's, you know, the safest place, but it's not. There are like a lot of large, large cities like Kharkiv and Odessa and Chernihiv and Sumy and, and so on. So my dad, he served in Soviet army, right? Mm -hmm. Many, many years ago. And he has a lot of great friends that went all the way with him through, you know, this time. They were from Kazakhstan, they were from Russia, Chechen, a lot of Chechen, Chechen people and stuff. And like, at some point, he still cannot believe that happened. Right, because you have those human connections with Right. It's almost like a civil war. Right. Yep. And, uh... How close are the, the... I mean, is that is that indicative of, you know, across the Ukraine, that it, it's almost like you're, you're the same people, almost, in that you come from a, a common history? Exactly. The history My, is, might be common, but we're too different. Right. Mentality-wise, we're different and it's, people. You know, important to understand that. Right. Ukraine is Ukraine. And Russia is Russia. We have, like, we have a lot of history connections, and we have family that living here and there, you know, relatives. But it doesn't mean we're the same. Right. Ukraine has its own right to decide whether it wants to be in NATO sure. or European Union, or you know, sell the toys or do whatever. Right. It's our right to do that. And nobody has right to tell us what we have and what we don't have to do. So I, I meant more just as a as a human commonality that you know you have you were saying your father has friends that he couldn't believe right. and felt betrayed right. that that this is happening when you have a human connection with people like that. Exactly. When our grandfathers used to fight for this country for the all together with Russians and stuff and my for my grandma cannot interpret it after the Second World War, for her, it's unbelievable. Right. You know? And, uh, yeah. And it's just... I guess we're... We're here asking for help from the world. And we're here asking for help from Russian people who live here in America, who have connections to this stuff. I don't know what they're afraid of. I know people from Belarus in the past who were against whatever was going on in Belarus and they would still, you know, donate the money to fight that government and they would still ready and now those people, I mean, we didn't see any results. Yes, they might be saying and scaring, are they truly doing something? We just, yeah, we don't need them there. They need to leave and they need to think about their troops. And. And, and all those countries too and you know parts of the russia needs to think about too you know japan is already after the um Kurilovsky Ostrava. so there's like an island that is uh russia took from russia japan took from japan and there is many many other stuff like that that russia took from very many other different countries the list just going on and on and on and on and uh, yeah 
So if you see through the history, right, on the Russian map, this part was a gift from one country. Mm -hmm. This part was a gift from another country. So Russia, it just, it's, it's a big territory, but it's like all the parts, there was taken from the other countries. So that's what the Russia looks like now today. Right. And I don't want to be like, you know, um, too sub I mean, too subjective or something, but if you look at the Russian people, like 10% probably, or even maybe less, they're actually Russians. What do you, true you know, yeah. true Russians. Right. The other people that live on the territory, they're, they're kind of like, you know, Chinese people and all sorts of, you know, different nationalities. So it's, it's more kind of like, you know, United States probably that you know has many different like nationalities in it right so what russians call russian peace it's it's nothing to have about russian peace because you know truly russian people that were born and they have like russian ancestors and stuff it just like this very little you know percentage of them very little I also want to say we have a lot of Russian people in Ukraine. I graduated from Russian school till nowadays. I talk to my parents in Russian, yet our president can easily communicate. And a lot of our seniors, yeah, he's Jewish. Enough, yeah, oh. he's Jewish. He That's another. That, yeah. yeah, he's Jewish. <laughs> he can communicate in Russian, in Ukrainian, in English, and that's amongst of all the friends. So that bullying and stuff and saying that somehow Russian population is getting, you know, bullied and stuff by talking in Russian. No, I grew up all my life. Russian has always been my primary language, yet I'm proud to be a Ukrainian, you know, and proud for the spirit and that fight that we constantly been fighting for. And history shows too that Ukrainians were always had a free spirit and they were ready to fight for their freedom for many, 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 many years. Worse, we're looking at Russia. That's the differences in our mentalities and nationalities that Russian people, I uh, don't want to offend anybody, but even here in the States, you see that entitlements, they had a slavery way longer and that's just everybody owns them something no everybody just wants you to live your own life and you are not welcome anywhere else stay at home go back home well, here is a friend kill. of mine another one if you especially to <laughs> kill the civilians and stuff now i would just want to jump in at this point at this point in the interview a third woman came in natasha who wanted to give her point of view as well um so natasha is closer to my age and just wanted to clarify for the listeners that at this point in time, another person has joined the conversation. So for, start off, tell us your name. Uh, my name is Natasha, and I'm from the central part of Ukraine, the Kirovograd region, which is uh, about eight hours from uh, the borders and five hours from uh, the capital. Um, my area doesn't have too many strategic objects. But the town where I went to college uh, has a little regional airport and that was um, half destroyed okay. about two days ago. And also the latest news I've heard from my family this morning 
is that they are trying to attack the towers that provide the internet communication. Okay. And my mom told me, if you don't hear from me, you need to know what about what 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 we are hearing and what is about to happen. So, my personal opinion, I always question people who stay in power for so long. Putin and his um, big friend in Belarus have been in power for almost 30 years, um, 30 for Lukashenko and 28 for Putin. And you can only imagine what's going on through the heads of those people. And I think it's um, almost to the point of insanity where you are doing it for so long. Uh, both Putin and Lukashenko are the um, uh, old school KGB spy mentality people and they were um, functioning and operating when it was the peak of the Cold War mm -hmm. where you feel like you are the best one and everybody else around you is the enemy right. so it's not the mentality of uh, tolerance and peaceful communication and understanding people are smart too and but they can have their own way right in their mentality it's my way of the highway right uh, in, it's me myself and i and also it's about the big economic interests and financial interests um, my country has uh, excellent resources particularly the area where irina is the eastern part uh, donbass Kharkov being uh, one of the major cities in the east is the major city in a uh, city in the east very close proximity to the border and tight connections with Russia and also the area that they annex they did annexation on back in 2012 and 2013 the Crimean Peninsula has strategic uh, military ports and the access to the Black Sea and then uh, Turkey and um, Mediterranean Sea that's the the channel that connects all those so that's why Russia wanted to be in control of the major strategic areas and be calling the shots there because of the resources mostly exactly and because of the um access to yeah the clear way right uh, and also the huge gas uh, pipeline runs through that area right. and now they have to pay the transport fee to ukraine but saying that it's theirs um they can do it for free uh, no charge um, the other point that I would like to bring to your attention is about uh, Russia using the, so to speak, connections of a lot of Ukrainians who live on the border. You know, 100 years, 200 years, people marry each other, they have kids, they have families. So you cannot really tell that um, ethnic Ukrainians live in that area. It's not, it's a mix, it's a melting pot, particularly where Irina lives. And um, uh, an important point here to bring is that he doesn't dare to go to the western part of Ukraine. Why is that? Well, because it's a very nationalistic, very strong national identity. Those people are fighters and they have been for years. That's the area of Ukraine where those national his, where national heroes like Bandera and the Cossacks, probably mm -hmm. um, American audience is familiar with that historic phenomena. 
that's where the ones it's either I die but I don't surrender so that's who those people are so he doesn't dare to go there because he has no chance but he kind of played on family on the long-standing historic traditions and long-standing people's uh, connections to say that the majority of people in the eastern part want Russia back they voted for it and in um, um, 2013 if I'm not mistaken they did so to speak staged uh, staged out referendum a vote in the Crimean Peninsula where oh people voted for Russia we want Russia back but it was all staged staged okay. out so uh, that's the trick they played can look at the Crimea right now it's abandoned territory yeah they have no water supplies in a lot of areas and they are pointing fingers oh that's Ukrainian um, responsibility and they say no you guys separated so why should we be responsible so it was all done for political reasons and looking at what's happening right now I view it as a staged performance. They started early in 2012, where they get rid of the um, pro-Russian puppet, um, Yanukovych. He is now living a very luxury life somewhere outside of Russia. And they uh, tried to put uh, pro-Russian folks in power. They failed. That's what the Orange Revolution right. and Maidan yeah was about and then gradually slowly gradually they were trying to um, um, uh, to do more damage and that's how they uh, annexated Crimea and that's how they took the eastern part and now they are doing this massive attack on the entire country and they are trying to bend our president to sign the agreement that uh, he won't join NATO because in his words um, it will be too close to Russia. If NATO will have their military equipment on the territory of Ukraine, it will be within two minutes uh, to the Russian capital. If, let's say, a missile goes, it's like two minutes. Right. Two minute distance for, for the ultrasound. Or two minutes. Right. The Russians <coughs> will not have time even to hide because like most of the part of the Russia, they don't know where the bomb shelters mm -hmm. or either they're not allowed to get into, you know, because mm -hmm. they're mostly for politicians and the high allied, you know, people who is right. in the government. And that's again coming back. Why is he scared of NATO? Why is he thinking that, oh, they are going to attack us? Why there has to be this Cold War mentality be still in play 50, 70, 100 years after. Why do you think that is? Because look who is in power. First of all, look uh, uh, how old he is. Mm -hmm. He was born in 1952. Uh, he started his career in Germany as a uh, KGB intelligent, intelligence spy person for the KGB. And a second, he is ruled by the interest of an economic elite in Russia that want... It's about competition. It's... Uh, Remaining you relevant know? in a new world. Yeah, yeah. We want, we want to be... Sick men searching yeah. for power and yeah. having no borders and no yeah. moral... Yeah, we want to be in there. charge. 
and we want to compete uh, with China and the United States and other countries and we are such a big geopolitical military giant so we want to be calling the shots we want to be Russia a big empire like it used to be it's like when you look at history why Chinggis Khan wanted to be in power why, why, why like why why are these people want more what is that that doesn't satisfy them and like if you compare why nobody has issues with switzerland or belgium why those countries are everybody wants to have a swiss bank everybody right. wants to wear rolex because they've stayed neutral they are neutral yeah so why does it have to be putin that everybody needs to know about him for good things or for bad things so it's uh, i think uh, we need to start like looking at the history of the uh russian empire and the soviet from the point of view of psychology who was in charge i see a lot of <clears throat> materials in um the press uh, with a comparison putin and the nazi leader right Adolf hitler, hitler. And I did some reading on why he was so aggressive towards the Jews. The Jews are smart. They are known to be very solidified as a nation. They never leave a Jew behind. They stay until the last Jew is saved because they have this sense of uh, unity and uh, uh, my nation, my people. Um, and he didn't like it. And then I read the story that when he was applying for music school, he didn't get in because the Jewish boy was accepted. He was more talented. And it's kind of started with some sort of a psychological trauma where he started hating um, that whole nation. So why do you think uh, Vladimir Putin is, is has this bone to pick with the Ukraine? Why, why does he have that similar motivation that we saw with Adolf Hitler? Um, I just want to <clears throat> bring into the conversation the fact that I became aware of a few years ago. He divorced his wife of 30 years, the wife that knew him when he was very young and they started career together and she was with Germany with him. That's where their kids were born, two girls. And uh, he's leaving his wife and he's making this announcement at the Bolshoi Theater after the performance. And he's saying like, yeah, we don't have too many things in common. We raised our children and now we have the, our own lives. So I was wondering why a man doesn't need that female energy in his life anymore. And then I found out that he was noted with some, you know, affairs with the young athlete and uh, things like that. He was like also that. very abusive to his wife. Yeah. He used her to get to the power because mm -hmm. he needed to be married and stuff. And he just used her. Right, and right. I read an interview that his wife was happy to run away from that monster and terror because he was not any better inside of this, inside of that. Well, he just needed to keep the appearance, basically, you know. Right, right. prestige. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like a checkpoint. To be a good leader, you have to. Because, yep. you know, all the leaders have their first ladies that support them. They do this yeah. volunteer missions. Mm -hmm. and, Education. Know. Right, right. Charity. 
and everything. But specifically about why, to answer your question, uh, it's it was like a little bit of a psychological portrait of Putin, but um, specifically about Ukraine, it's about the rich resources that our country has. And geopolitically, um, our country is at the crossroads and it's between Russia and the European Union. Right. And Russia wants to be in charge. They have to have total control that they don't have to make decisions about what's going to happen. They don't have to pay the transport fees. They can just come and get it. So what what can the world do right now to, to try to stop this, to try to mitigate the damage that's already been done? So in my opinion, <clears throat> it has to be uh, the opinion about Russia that Russia is not the biggest. Russia is not the best. Russia is one of us. We live on the same planet. We are neighbors here. And I do understand it's sometimes hard to find common language with neighbors. But it hasn't been the mentality that there are three giants. Russia, China, and the United States, and everybody else. It has to be the understanding that we share the common home, uh, which is planet Earth. We are the people of this world. Right, and these right. times are gone many, many years ago. Right. And, like, look at history. What does the war conflicts teach? I understand they can uh, be as catharsis. There's always better and new level after the big tragedy that involved uh, but it's the cost of human lives right. uh, that uh, people need to be thinking before any decision is made. And if we are treating human life like nothing, like basically nothing, our president de delivered a wonderful speech three years ago in, um, in um, NATO. And he brought the bullet and he said, this is the bullet that costs $10. And this one bullet can take one human life. So what values are we focusing on in the 21st century? What are we doing with ourselves? Like, what lessons do we learn? Um, is this the world that we want to be bringing our children in? Is this the education that we want to give to the next generation are we looking at living with humans in the future that have the value of their lives or are we looking with living among machines right. and like you i them can be just an application on somebody else's phone 50 years from now so what way are we choosing are we choosing robots or are we choosing humans if we are choosing humans then it hasn't be it it, it cannot be the uh, cost of the human life ten dollars that bullet that can take that life away within a second now to mention he was never in politics he, mm -hmm. have, he has i'm, I'm pretty sure in some points like in some you know strategic fields he has like you know no opinion because right. like he has advisors and people who are familiar with those topics so he was never ever in politics he's you know he's a stand-up comic former and probably you know 
at some point he's still what he was right. right now so like how do you imagine how Putin feels about it because he's this you know political giant on this arena on this political arena and the president of Ukraine he just you know former stand-up comic yeah so what does it say about those two people well but I think with the, the way that the world is really embracing your president right now and, and the Ukrainian people that 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 message is getting through I think mm -hmm. it is yeah, that message got through I mean he, he's, he's definitely it, been yeah. an you've inspiration heard, to people that I know you've heard what he said right like a couple of days ago or something when uh, the American government offered him to evacuate yeah from, from yeah, Ukraine I don't he need said, a ride I need I, ammunition right yeah no, I mean, and the, the heroics of the Ukrainian people have just been. And now, what is seem to be inspiring? Soccer, soccer players, our Olympian people, people who participate in the Olympic Olympics. You know, all those people. Now, that's you know that's phrase about uh, a right. Like, what, what, like, is does it say about like American government? Like, how, in what way we should accept this phrase like what do you mean like evacuate so you don't care about ukrainian people or like you know like i have that opinion yeah i have the well, i think he shows the, the traits of a true leader so. he's not he's not going anywhere mm -hmm. so yeah and who in the right mind would be offering that we can uh, we can arrange you a ride well, and he never yeah. came that's in that's the west so <laughs> <laughs> and he never came in uh you know to be at the wheel for many many years he said I'm here um, I don't know what's gonna happen now but he never even was gonna put his candidate for the next election and there is this great interview it's in in Ukrainian or in Russian I don't remember unfortunately I couldn't find the subtitles like to play it but there is this famous journalist in Ukraine and as soon as he was elected like probably a couple months after that there was like a big interview with the newly elected president and the president was telling the journalist that at first they're gonna hate me they're gonna uh they're gonna say that ridiculous yeah that's that I'm what ridiculous they but mm -hmm. then they're gonna start to respect me and to listen you know to my decisions and then when i'm gonna be leaving because i believe that president could not you know hold Should the positions right. more than five years they're gonna cry because i'm leaving and that was like the best words that could describe him. This is exactly who he is. So what 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 are the best things that that Americans can do, that the world can do, that want to try to help here, or want to try to to stop this? What what actions can we take? Are there any? Um, first of all, uh, read the official uh, social platform of the president. Okay. And not the misinterpretation of what other people say. The president speaks English. His Instagram is in English. Okay. I, I've heard Twitter is yep. in English, and Ukrainian. Um, of so course, we'll yeah, follow, is the official. The president. For, Russian yeah, for, too. For those people who yeah. don't understand Ukrainian and English, listen. Sends the yeah, message in listen Russian. to the politicians speak direct. Lavrov speaks excellent English, and just read between the lines, and listen. Do not uh, read the, somebody else's interpretation of what the Ukrainian president said. Go to the core. So that's first. And then 
I think you are doing the right thing. You are talking to the native speakers. You are talking to people who have families back there for whom it 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 hurts and for whom it's the first-hand experience. It's not somebody that read the news and came to discuss their opinion on, on, of the news and uh, get into people's life stories. My neighbors, that my my American neighbors in uh, the apartment, <clears throat> I came uh, home after work one day and there is a bouquet of flowers on my table right next to the uh, shoe shelf and there is a very little card with one sentence. We are thinking about you in these difficult times. And that's all they have to say. Um, yesterday I received a phone call from my daughter's middle school teacher, Mr. Case, and he said, I'm giving you a call to say that I'm thinking about you and if you need a Valentina, come and talk to me. I'm here for her. So you start with the small things by just talking to people and talking and saying, I'm thinking about you, I'm with you, I feel for you, not with the description that people hear in the news. Oh my God, Again. it's so terrible. Yeah. I saw the news. Oh my God, they're ripping the buildings apart, you know. We've seen this ourselves. It's about Personal, being yeah. in the tragedy together. It's not repeating what you've seen on TV. Because a lot of coverage, it's it just so toxic. Mm -hmm. Because the media covers and then they give this narrative that doesn't bring any hope. It makes you feel as if now they bombarded one building and next building will be mine you know but empathy and knowing i feel for you i know it hurts basic human connection exactly and not like get, go, getting into the politics and saying irina uh, took my daughter to denver two days ago and they uh went to the peaceful protest in front of the Capitol how was that? building. How, how was the turnout? How did it go? Uh, it we was wish, very emotional. Yeah, and we wish it would it would be like it were bigger that you know what we see in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, but there were still a lot of people from different countries. There was people from Georgia, um, uh, Belarus, Belarus, Hungary. Yeah. I mean, you name so, it, everywhere. People yeah, from everywhere. particularly people from Georgia. Um, yeah, people where, from Germany and Germany, right? yeah, they people really felt because it happened to Georgia yeah. five years ago. Russia tried to take control over Georgia, so they no. My one of my classmates, um, she was a refugee to Ukraine from uh, Abkhazia, how do you Abkhazia, Abkhazia, the territory that you know, yeah, neighboring, yeah, neighboring yeah, to Georgia, Georgia, so all that she was a refugee from there. And she said, All my life, I prayed my kids never see that. And now she's over there hiding in that thing. And for this woman of the 35 years of age, this is her second war caused by who? Now, speaking same about, country, yeah. yeah, same country, and the same the same person ruins mm -hmm. the same lives and doing the same thing. and those obliviousness of those people who choose to, you know, hide in the shell and stuff. And that's, 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 yeah. Now speaking about medias, 
Natasha mentioned, you can go online and see leave, um, you know, leave video from the United Nations Assembly. And there is the great representative, the permanent representative to the United States of Ukraine, Mr. Kislitsa, if I'm pronouncing his last name right. And uh, you can see what questions he's asking the representative of Russia, and you can see how the representative of the Russia behaves. Right, right, exactly. That's the point I was making. Listen and read between the lines. Those people all speak English. You can understand them. And he's like, he's, he's not about just English. He perfectly mm -hmm. speaks Fra uh, French and German and Spanish, you know. And I want to just mention maybe somebody who, you know, r relates to him or maybe him himself is going to hear that. He's the best permanent representative of Ukraine to the U.S., um, um, to the United Nations, I mean, sorry, uh, f that we have, like, for past years, past 10, 15, 20 years. That's the representative that we should have in every governmental structure. Doesn't matter if that's United Nations or, you know, um, official government representative of Ukraine or whatever. People should be speaking, like, not reading from the paper, mm -hmm. but what they think and mm -hmm. what they see, and they should, you know, represent their position, not from the official point only, but from their, you know, people's heart and stuff, so. And show the facts, mm -hmm. not the rumors. Don't spread the rumors, spread the facts that what truly is happening. Because, like I said, every single text message and stuff, or every single picture that I try to bombard my Facebook and Instagram with every single video, that is not coming from the internet. That is coming from text messages from my friends. That is coming from the neighbors, you know, neighbors yeah. and stuff. Uh, my neighbor said that right now over my town, somebody said that they might be showing the um, chemical attacks on the people right now. Like this is. This, th it has to stop. We need to spread the word as much as possible. Another thing I want to say, my mom, as we are speaking of here right now, just five minutes ago, 53, as of one minute ago, as we speak, uh, from the 24th of February to the 28th of February, 5,300 of Russian soldiers died on the territory of Ukraine. Now, and, and those losses, from what I've heard, are significantly much more than the Ukrainians. Much Ukrainian more, lives. much more. Now, I just have this message from Telegram. It's, I cannot verify it, and it should be, you know, a, a verified by the Ukrainian government, government and the president, but it still gives the hope that uh, Ukrainian army got the 70, uh, you know, Airplanes, airplanes, military, military airplanes, MiG twenty nine and Su twenty five, uh, so from Bulgaria, from Bulgaria, uh -huh. Poland and Slovakia. 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 Uh -huh. So I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you've seen this um, video that you know that is pretty wide right now about this. The you, ghost. Yeah, the ghost. Ace like, player. imagine what this person can do having the new airplane. So, I'm, I'll be honest, the airplanes that we have now, the bombarders, they're shitty, they're old, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, there is nothing to hide about it. Right. 
but like he, he right but if he hit like 10 bombarders with that old crappy shitty i'm sorry i don't know if oh no I'm, you can swear all you want I can, yeah. he said he's gonna click um, his audio. <laughs> you know bombarder imagine what our pilots could do with a new one so and it's it's necessary to say that a lot of um you know veterans and military um military professionals that are uh in what's talking um in retired. that are retired, retired not they're duty. coming that, back right? yeah. yeah they're they're coming back so i mean that's all i can say either you watch your sons and husbands and you explain them not from your you know personal point of view but looking into you know the situation what's happening right now that it's not worth going to ukraine fighting for nothing because there is no goal to you you know they're fighting for nothing uh-huh not well, i mean eventually if this keeps going it's going to affect all all of us i mean the, right. the whole yep. fact that yep. there's now heightened nuclear tensions yep. mm-hmm. makes this important to every single human being on the planet mm-hmm. and uh, yeah ukrainian people are not fighting ukrainian people protect just like an animal yeah. if you come to an elk i will say association if you look at an elk and he's nice and pretty and you leave it over there once you come to it it's gonna start protecting and our people will do it and they will i'm sorry they will choke <laughs> Right. Um, they will choke I, and yeah. not get a smell of our land. And, and I saw a report today on Sky News this morning out of out of England that there are queues of people lining up in in London, going to the the Ukrainian um, uh, embassy embassy, and and asking for instructions as to how they can get over there to help fight. Mm-hmm. So yes. it, it really seems that with the cutting off of the athletes and the, the sports mm-hmm. stuff, the no-fly zones, the whole world seems to be trying to change its momentum right now. Yep. Right, and they should. I want to share something on a personal level. I am a granddaughter of um, grandpa who um, went through the entire uh, World War II mm-hmm. when the Soviet Union was involved. My grandma... Uh, spent the entire war, five years of war in the resistance. She was a teacher, but she was um, doing the the work, um, helping the resistance, writing the papers, spreading it, and saying, so I was kind of raised in the spirit that you stand up for what you believe. And if somebody comes and tries to take off your, to take away your future, you do not sit still but one more thing that my grandpa shared when i was a college student 20 years ago he said when the soviet union was fighting against germany and against nazi germany the russians ukrainians and belarusians stood as the united front my uh, grandpa joined the ukrainian um um, uh, troops my neighbor who was grandpa's friend joined the Belarusian ones and they all knew what they were doing. Here, it's the people whose grandparents were fighting for the free land 
are now fighting each other. And I am thinking, what did the history teach us? Back then, 70 years ago, there was an enemy. There was Nazi Germany trying to invade and trying to destroy. What, what is the subject matter here? Why? Because somebody is very ambitious and wants those territories belong to them rather than having the negotiation rather than doing business. And those, again, are the people in power who were raised with the mentality that they are bigger and better. And everybody else is everybody else. So, and that's sad. Another thing I wish politicians in power were either four years or five years, but not, 20, not 28 years or 30 years. And I do understand that there is um, an idea of doing it for a long time because it's stability, but it cannot be just one person doing that. One person and a handful of economic elite that pays the political decisions. And I understand it's done everywhere in the world, but not at the expense of life of uh, neighboring countries. Mom, as we speak right now, a text message for her. The missile just landed in our, in our, um, outside of our home. And okay. Wow. Just right now. And I've just, I've just read this information again. It's not approved. It has to be approved by the Ukrainian government and by the president himself. But it says that the um, president of the Euro Commission said that you know. Ukrainian is a part of European family and they're gonna be admitted to the European uh, Union so I also want to say that the way the Ukrainians fighting and protecting not only Ukraine as I said before but the whole Europe uh, from the further plans of Mr. Putin the NATO and the United Nations might think to apply for admission to Ukraine not the opposite. Right. Because, as I said previously, again, we all appreciated the support and, you know, the weapons supply and missiles and all the stuff from our European uh, Union partners and the United States. But there is time to take more actions right than now. they, yeah, that they've already taken. And the NATO has to take into consideration that there are many countries that have the same border with Ukraine. So if they're not ready to give Ukrainian the help that they're in very much you know, need right now, the next step they can do, they will protect those countries from the Putin's invasion. So NATO should close the sky for Ukraine. Nobody is asking them to, you know, land in Ukraine with their people, taking the weapons and fighting for us. But that's the measure they can definitely do right now. By closing the airspace? Yes, with their, you know, bombarders. So, and I know that United States is the biggest, uh, you know, um, is the biggest party that fund the NATO. Mm -hmm. 
So we should all take that into the consideration. And uh, Mr. Biden, from your decisions that you're taking right now, from your protocols and you know documents and whatever you're doing now, whatever you're implementing, millions and hundreds and thousands life that depend on it right now. We're so far away from Ukraine, right? We're on the other continent, but it doesn't matter because as we all know, the, you know, Mr. Putin put the defense or whatever you call them, power on the high alert. Yeah, yeah the, the nuclear. Nuclear, the nuclear mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that it's not gonna touch US. It's gonna, you know, affect the whole world. Oh, it's... It's not because like we're, you know, close to Ukraine right now or we're far away from Ukraine or it doesn't matter. You and, no you know, probably the elder people that living in the United States that went through the Vietnam War and I know there it's not like a lot of them left unfortunately but there are still some of them and you know they all remember what happened through that war they all remember the Afghanistan you know I don't think anybody of them wants to repeat that yeah, I mean, you were mm -hmm. talking about how your grandfather, yeah. right, right, fought more. my All grandfather, ours, yeah. my grandfather was from Russia. He came over to America, mm -hmm. but he 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 stormed the beaches of Normandy. My grandmother was on a boat mm -hmm. outside of Normandy. So all of my grandparents fought in World War Two. So right. So it's a, shared, a part of your. Yeah. It, it's in it's your a, DNA. Yeah. What they've done. Yeah. How Same many here. Americans people fought in the Second World War? Mm -hmm. yeah. Not and like just, why yeah. there is such a stereotype in the United States that Russia is so powerful yes it's big but it consists of people and yes. all those people have mothers so and is this how I don't think the Russians were raised that way that you are raised to kill somebody you are raised to kill the other nation and as you so, can yeah. see the 22nd you know, in the scale of military power, Russia is fighting against, I mean, the second, I'm sorry, the second in the scale of military power in the world, Russia is fighting against this 22nd country that, you know, has military, yes. Mm -hmm. right. So in the scale, mm -hmm. the Ukraine is 22nd and Russia is second. And how, Belarus for how, you know, crazy is that and how it's, you know, ridiculous, but still, who said that the second, you know, powerful country in the world could... Well, you know, I want to say the aspect uh, after, like Natasha said, psychologically and stuff, you know how they say is like, it's easier to be angry and go do and destroy, but it's much harder to be nice and kind and try to... Uh, be there so it, it it just shows the weakness of the people and uh, they're absolutely no knowledge of what's going on and this is just yeah I just I don't crazy well no I listen, words anymore yeah I listen to Lavrov and they are using this uh, we are in our own territories naming that 
um, uh, right, the, the Crimean the and the Donbass the area, it's ours. The but it's the not, uh, it's not only there, they are everywhere now. And as I said, Russia now is just consists of many other territories that were a gift, you know, to the mm -hmm. Russians. Right. So Japan and um, like former Mongolians and, mm -hmm. you know, many others. Yeah, and you're China. talking gift as in yeah. with, with the air quotes yeah, gift. Right. For yeah, listeners. yeah. So right. next so day they, they will what decide that Alaska needs to be there well, since yeah. there are I mean, so many Russians yeah. and the Russian heritage is there. The Russian churches are in Alaska. A lot of um, towns in Alaska uh, have Russian names. So what 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 are they gonna right. decide tomorrow? Come and get it back or what? Ukrainians not just fight for their territory right now. They're as fighting for the freedom for the entire world. Yeah, they and are fighting for people. something bigger. They are fighting for their right to be who they are and what they want. And the whole world too, because mm -hmm. if we're gonna. I heard some comments from, from my friends. Why don't you just give up right now before 20,000 people fall down or something? Yeah, but then well, you have to take it. Not, that's not going to happen. If going to stop, the war is going to end it up. Yeah, it's not going to stop. It's going to yep. stop. Yep. It'll just be another step. Exactly. It's, it's not going to be a Ukraine anymore. Well, history exactly. shows us that. And then that's what I'm saying. This is the fight for freedom for everybody, not just for... Ukrainian and, territory. Yeah. As you probably know, there is Ukrainian village in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, many people are aware of that, that there is like this big community of Ukrainian people in Chicago. But does that mean that Ukraine has announced now that this part of, you know, pe this where the people yeah. living is Ukrainian mm -hmm. now? Does it doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. Mm -hmm. Does that mean, you know, they have to come over there and, you know, try to save them your heritage and the land that you walk on might be you know different territories but you they cannot demand that like they've did in the past no it's all there are there is an agenda hidden behind all those uh speeches that it's our historic land there is a big agenda and it's the strategic geopolitical area that is good for them to have a free way to the sea and Trade to routes. the resources yeah access to the resources well is there is there anything you'd like to add that we haven't touched on uh i spread i i shared on my instagram a very inspiring video there is a saying and history teaches soldiers whose families whose wives and mothers and children pray for them send positive thoughts and want them to be alive they come back home alive so please spread the positivity and the word of hope that this will be over and it will teach us to be better humans do not fall into the negativity and repeating how awful it is. It is awful, but there is always light uh, at the end of the tunnel. And I think we are getting closer to the end of this tunnel. And I think your grandpa and my grandpa did this for a reason. 
so that we can enjoy the freedom now and we can be where we are and we can speak about what we really think and not something that needs to be said for the press um so i think that's what the point is and pass that on that ability on to our grandchildren that's true yeah that's true all right well thank you so much all for coming and talking to us well thanks for inviting is that you know y'all are in my thoughts too so thank you that matters and that's one great thing yeah that people are thinking and um, they wish people can us. feel that positivity. Yeah. yeah. I can constantly hear from the same. They they see the support and everything, and they can they can they can feel it. All right. Well, well, hopefully next time when we are getting together, we'll have the good news to share. Right. Yeah, that, that would be great. That it's over. That perfect. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Gave you a little bit of a more complete picture of what's happening in the Ukraine coming from real Ukrainians. Anyway, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for joining in. I'm Jason Van Tatenov, and you're listening to the Colorado Switchblade.